Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's Monday, December the 23rd, two days from Christmas. Glad to be with you this Monday night. Coming to, from you, coming to you from what? Hampton Roads, Virginia, the 757. How you doing, Paula B? Paula? Okay. Or are we waiting for Paula to come on the line? Just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Christmas is in two days. Then in what less than a little bit over a week, we'll be starting a whole new decade, 2020. So um excited for everything that is about to come. Anybody say any new year's resolutions? Um I've started writing some things down. I still have some stuff to carry over from twenty nineteen that I have yet to accomplish. Um, but yeah, I've started writing out some things for um, 2020. You back, Paula? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Well, look, you're you're a little low, but I can hear you. How are you oh, doing? Okay, I don't know why. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. We're doing good. We're just talking about the new year coming in and um, setting New Year's resolutions. I, I I was telling the audience that I have some things left over from 2019 that I have yet to even begin to touch. But I I have thought about a few things that I want to tackle in 2020, um, including our show um, that we're working on coming out in February. Um, hopefully, we'll get a chance to um, shoot shoot the episode, shoot something. I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited about it. But um, you have any anything that you want to work on for 2020? No, I no? am not doing absolutely not. I am not doing any New Year's resolutions because um, no one ever sticks to the New Year's resolutions. It starts good for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't know. And then you'll be right back to the same old way you've been living. So what I've decided to do is to let life take its natural course. And whatever it is designed for me to do by the universe, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm looking forward to real talk. I, I think we're going to have an amazing time. I think this year um, we're going to be out in the media a lot more. Now, that's one of the things that I really want for mm-hmm. us. Um, I'm really looking forward to because it feeds my soul because, you know, I love talking to people and I love what we do. Um, and that's it. You know, I, everything else, I'm going to let it do what it do. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. Have, you know what I mean? I'm you going to let it do what mm-hmm. it do. Okay. All right. I wish I could just let it do what it do. There's so many things that I want to accomplish. And for some reason, I always feel like I'm against the clock. Like I, like I have a deadline to me. You know, I guess everybody has like a, the psychological picture of where they want to be when they reach a certain age. I just feel like I'm so far where I want to be at 48. And then I'm just trying to get so much accomplished before I hit that five Oh, that, you know, I feel like I'm letting myself down. If I don't at least put something on paper, even though, like I said, I have, a lot from 2019 that I have yet to even touch. I feel like I need something to say that I'm chasing in 2020. So, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I like your idea of just letting it, because if it's going to happen, I was somewhere and I heard someone say um, um, something about, you know, what God has for you. Um, you don't have to worry about people taking it, blah, 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 blah. And it's going to happen, you know, when it's supposed to happen. It's nothing you can do to slow, slow it down or to stop it. And I guess I just need to get in that mindset of being patient. Patience is not one of my strongest virtues. Um, no, but I, guess I mean, I'm a witness of that. Nope. <clears throat> I didn't ask you for all of that, but okay. I all right. I, I appreciate your honesty <laughs> in, yes. in saying that. But I think um, but yeah. I'm going to interject because I think that you have accomplished so much. Um, I think that you have – through this whole entire year of 2019, I have watched you grow so much and come out of your shell in so many ways. 
especially like when we're out, you you have accomplished a great deal, especially um, as far as your education. I mean, you yeah. got like, two master degrees, you you and you've done that quickly. Um, you are working in the field that you want to work in, probably not in the capacity that you want, but you're doing it. So I'm doing, I, you, I, you know what? I need you in my yeah. back pocket. I need you in my back pocket all day. <laughs> yes, I'm always in your back pocket, too. I'm your body yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, so you are. I think that you, um, I, I mean, and same for me. I mean, your accomplishments help me keep moving. And mm-hmm. you are that um, silent piece. People watch you. People gravitate to you. When you walk in a room, even though you don't think so, you demand attention. You have that positive aura. Everybody wants to be around Will Strayhorn. Um, I mean, you're a local celebrity in the 757 and so well-respected. So I think, and, and I've, I've been in a room, I have witnessed it. Like, I'm always in the back, like, where's Waldo? You know what I mean? So no, you're I not. Think, no, you're I'm just not. joking. But <laughs> the thing of it is is that you have accomplished a great, great deal. You know, I know mm-hmm. that I push you sometimes a little bit to get out of your comfort zone, but even with that, you have done a great job. You don't fight me as much as you do. I don't fight you as much. I'm proud of you. You're right. No, that's you intentional. Don't. That's because I, I said I know I've asked her to push me, so I I, I purposely don't fight you as much because half of the stuff you tell me I'm like, oh, I do not want to do that. But yeah, you saw that at your birthday party. I hit it though when I was ready to go. Yes, you left me stranded. <laughs> who brings the person to a birthday party as their date? My plus one and leaves me. I do. Talk about you got to go to church the next day and it's the, and right. the next day is Saturday. You don't go to church till Sunday. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who does that? Yeah. How's your, how's your week been? My week has been so far as just a Monday. So I had a great weekend. I went out by myself. I, I took myself on a date and spent my, some of my birthday money and bought myself some Chanel and Bought myself some angel and went to Victoria's Secret and Ooh. had a great day. I had a Christmas party for my staff, which I was telling you earlier. Normally, I buy them Christmas socks because I love Christmas socks. And my thing of it is, is that I have them take a picture of their feet and send it to me. So this year, I decided eh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to have like a pizza party. So I had a pizza party and ordered wings. And it's one particular one of my employees. You know, she likes to be in charge of everything. If she doesn't be in charge, if she's not in charge, she doesn't want to participate. So long story short, um, I had another employee send out an email about the pizzas, and uh, the other employee got an attitude. So she didn't eat anything because I was like, well, why didn't you eat? She said, well, I don't want to eat anything because they just messed over the food. How do you mess over pizza? Because every time I opened up a box, there was a slice missing. No, you had an attitude because I didn't tell you to send out emails. I mean, they're just very ungrateful. I ordered all pepperoni pizza and just one cheese because normally if I order all cheese and no pepperoni, it's just one pepperoni that complained. So now I didn't have enough cheese pizza, so they complained about that. I bought some mm-hmm. amazing um, European chocolate cookies that I got from Sam's Club, and I, I was like, you know what? It really hurt my feelings. Because yeah. I, I just thought it was just ungrateful. You know, I mean, I'm single now. I don't have a lot of money. But the thing of it is, is that I, I you know, to make a sacrifice because I was like, I just want to do this for my staff and for the reaction right. I got. Some of them sent me emails that said thank you, and I really appreciate it. But it was just overall, I just, I, I just thought it was just ungrateful. Mm. I do they feel entitled? I mean, you are you always doing stuff like that for them? Yeah, I, I do a lot. Like, I'll go out and buy them breakfast or Chick-fil-A or, you know, oh, if they're okay. doing a really great job, I'll buy pizza mm-hmm. or whatever. If they say, Miss Paula, we're hungry. Can you? Sure, absolutely. You know, I mm-hmm. do a lot of stuff for my staff. But, you know, you always have that one employee. And she's a great employee. But, you know, that attitude thing, you know, because you think that you're entitled. And if it doesn't go entitled. your way. Yeah, you know, right. Right. And then you display bad behavior. And then you expect the employees to follow you as a leader. No, they're not going to do that. Mm. So I was I was in my feelings about that, but I just kept 
moving forward because I was excited about tonight mm-hmm. and looking forward to the holiday and just relaxing and, you know, having some wine because I love my mm-hmm. romance wine from Cooper Hawk. So I have one bottle mm-hmm. of that left for my birthday. So I will be indulging in that and relaxing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my week, I have had like this emotional week. You know, I've been in conversation with Justin, of course, about trying to interpret what my feelings were. Um, okay, so when was it? I think it was what day? Tuesday? Tuesday or Wednesday, my company that I work for. And let's go back a little bit. You know, so I work for a company, like you said, I'm, I'm a life coach. I'm not necessarily working with the population that I want to work in, but I'm, at, I'm, I'm getting yeah. a lot of experience doing the life coaching. Um, and it's a job. I've never, ever had a job in my adult years. I've always worked for myself. So everything I have, I've done it as an entrepreneur. This was my first time working for somebody. And I was excited. For some reason, I, I just wanted to say I'm going to the office. I got to clock in. I just wanted to experience all these things. I always hear people talk about, about their jobs. So I've been doing that, you know, I think since August. So um, we had our company party. The owner of the company, he's only 31 years, very 30 years old, very impressed with him. He has a staff of us. I think it was probably about maybe 50 of us there plus our plus ones. Um, and he gave us each, you know, our own bonus check. And then when I had got home later that night, I got an email saying that if I was, you know, if you received this email, you got a raise, you got a wage increase. So I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And it was like, it would be reflected on your paycheck, which is coming up this Friday. So I was like, oh, I got to wait until Friday to find out, you know, how much I got as a raise. So in my mind, I'm just going through, okay, I did get on my eval. I I probably got, you know, X amount of dollars raised, blah, 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 blah. So something said, well, you know what? You have the app to be able to tell, you know, um, how much you're going to get. So I just said, well, let me go look and see if he already updated the wage amount. So I logged on to the computer, and my my raise was $0.25. Cents. That yeah, threw me for some right. reason. That I don't know. I was expecting like a $5, $5 raise or something. I was like, that threw me. Is that what they normally give people a raise, like $0.25? Cents? Uh, uh, yes, sir, because I, I thought you, yeah. Mhm. Twenty five oh cents, seventy five cents. Sometimes you have to fight for a dollar. Are you Yes. Welcome to corporate America, sweetheart. Oh my God! And that 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 because I have been slacking on writing my book. I have been slacking on creating presentations so that I can do my own thing because I've been so trapped up in doing the requirements for this job position. But that was just like a, a slap in the head. Like, okay, mm-hmm. that's what you wanted. Because I was like, for some reason, I was just highly offended. A 25 cent raise? I was like, oh my God. And I, I remember before so, I even saw the saw what the amount was, I had replied to the email, amen, you know, thank you so much. I, I greatly appreciate this. I didn't even know what I got. In my head, I was thinking I got maybe like a 5 or a $6 raise. 25 cents. So 2020 so is going to be like- spent on building my brand because I've experienced working for somebody else. I appreciate the opportunity, but I know to have the life that I want and to continue to support the lifestyle that I have, 25 cents is not going to do it for me. Right. So imagine, okay, so I want you to think about it outside the box. Mm -hmm. You got a 25 cent raise. You've got like 50 employees. So of course you can't give everybody a five or six dollar raise. That's unheard of, you know, unless you Mm -hmm. work for like a Fortune 500 company or whatever. I mean, I work Mm -hmm. for a large organization, and we may get 50 cents, 25 cents, 30 cents, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it does feel like it's insulting, you know what I mean? Mm Because I work so hard, and you're going to tell me I got a a 40 cents raise times Mm -hmm. whatever, and it comes up to an extra $500 a year or whatever. Okay. So I want you to think about it this way. You got what you asked for. You got a job. You got your experience. Mm -hmm. You're mm-hmm. getting knowledge underneath your belt because you may be able to learn from him and have him mentor you so you can have your own. But mm-hmm. the thing of it is, there's people that work for companies that are right now not giving out any raises at all. There's some companies that people are still going to work every day. You have to, and you haven't gotten a raise like in five years. Right. Look at the teachers. 
You're right. You're right. I mean, I don't want to seem ungrateful. It's just I think I was so no. disillusioned by working in corporate America. I'm like, okay, you know, this is going to be it. I probably won't even need to do my own thing because I'm going to get in there, prove myself. Before I know it, I'll be making fifty dollars an hour, sixty dollars an hour. Mm-mm, not taking twenty five cent raises, but you know, <laughs> I just say all that to say that you know I tried it, but I, I definitely had to just put. I, I've been lazy. It's really been a crutch for me because that combined with my salon, I was you know I was I was well, I was doing very well. Yeah, just trying to get back to building this brand and putting in the work. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But that's, that I mean, that's my, how it is. In, I mean, it's a culture shock to you um, mm-hmm. because, I mean, we're used to it because we've been in, you know, there's a lot of us who've been in corporate America forever, so we're used mm-hmm. to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you told me I got a 10-cent raise, I'm going to have a problem, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if you, you know, I, I'm going to have a little issue with that, but mm-hmm. because, you know, that's our norm, and for you, you'd be like, okay, oh, out the gate, I'm about to get like $5, you know what I mean? Well, that's what I was thinking. Now, you should have yeah. called me. I would have. Girl, I was so embarrassed because I had emailed my mom I, before I even knew because I was thinking, how can I find out before Friday? I was like, I got it raised. So I said, I'm probably probably about three, four dollars. No, I haven't even told her it's twenty five cents. Hopefully, she'll forget about it. That's what I'm hoping. Well, if she but yeah. she oh. know now, half of America knows. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I keep forgetting it's not just me and you sitting here talking. Yes. But yeah, if my employer is listening, I am so grateful. I am so grateful. He knows that I do other things. Um, but yeah. Okay, so I, we have a letter. Actually, we have a letter that was sent in, and then we have a situation that we need to talk about. Let's go ahead and read this yeah. letter before our guest comes on the line. Um, our guest, by the way, is Miss um, Bridget Bradley. She's the founder of um, Faith Hope Adoption, which is FHA, um, and the Adoption Discovery Program. She's going to talk to us about how families who are looking to adopt can adopt in less than nine months for zero dollars. So um, I'm very interested because, as you know, we're, we're, we're looking to adopt very soon, but the, the, the prices and the fees, all of this can be astronomical. So I'm excited to talk to, about, talk to her about how we can do it in less than nine months um, for zero dollars. So that means I would be a dad before I'm 52. That's good. But here's our letter. Hey. So it says, it says, dear host, and then you'll, you'll, what is your name going to be? Are you Nana? What's your, what's your name going to be to the baby? My name for, for your baby? Yeah. I, I got to think of something. You got to think of a cute name. Yeah, I got to think of a really cute name. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, my okay. grandkids call me Nina, but go ahead. Oh, they call you Nina? Yeah, they call me Nina because my, one of my grandsons couldn't call me, uh, Man, they want to call me grandma. Absolutely not. So he couldn't say what? Nana. So he, I'm sorry. So why not Glamma? Glamma. I mean, everybody. The Glamma thing is like overrated. To me, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. you know, it's just too much. So mm-hmm. he couldn't say Nana. So he started calling me Nina, and I loved it. So that's what they call me, Nina. Now. Uh, Liana, I want her to call me Gigi because I think it's so. I don't think Gigi's for great grandmother. I just think it's a chic um, name. But my mom was mad because she wanted to call be called Gigi because a great grandmother. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. whatever. But That's what my she mom call you that and me. What Gigi? That's what my mom called. They they call my mom that because all of the kids they're her great like my the little one in the family. That's her great grandchild and. She calls her Gigi. Yeah. yeah. And you just explained to me what it was. I had no idea this is what Gigi stood for. Great grandma. Well, that's okay. what they that's what they want. Yeah. But I'm just yeah. using it because I think it's chic. You know, so. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Let's so hear this letter. Here, here's the letter. It says, a year ago, I married the man of my dreams. I have a two-year-old son from a previous marriage, and he has a six-year-old daughter from a previous relationship. Together, we have a wonderful blended family. Last week, we were out finishing Christmas shopping for the kids, but my husband told me he needed my help in selecting his baby mother Christmas gift. I was taken aback and possibly overreacted a bit, but I demanded an explanation for why he still buys her a gift. He said that they've always exchanged gifts as a uh, tradition, as a sign of appreciation and respect for each other, being amicable co-parents to a wonderful child. 
I have been in my feelings ever since this, and I forbade him from buying her a gift this year. Am I being unreasonable? Petty Patty. What do you think? Well, I think um, if they have a blended family and they have a great relationship, I think that he should have told her that he was doing that because what it looks like is that you've been doing this all this time, sending our money and being sneaky about it. That's the first thing I would have thought in my mind. You know what I mean? Because that's mm-hmm. been a, that would have been the red flag. Like, you sneak behind well, my back. Been, she said a that, year ago. They only been married a year. She said that a year ago she married the guy. So this is what, probably their first, maybe second Christmas. Right, but you still never you still never mentioned it. I mean, if you we had a conversation and said me and whatever her name is, Dorothy, still exchange mm-hmm. Christmas presents, I wouldn't want to know why you why you want to do that. But I don't want to sound like the jealous wife or insecure as well, you know, because it's just a present. But if you have a great explanation of why you still want to do it, like for our kids' sake, you understand? So we all can mm-hmm. come over. We all can get together as one big family and everybody exchange gifts. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not mm-hmm. just from you, it'll be from us. And that's the way that it should be. But if you're trying to mm-hmm. have that little separate thing that, you know, we still got that thing. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That nobody can, we don't want anybody in that bubble mm-hmm. but us. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand that's, what you're that's saying. That's how I, I understand what you're saying. So you think, so, so you think because he married into her. So everything, like let's say he has um, friends that he buys gifts for, all of that should have been explained to him or just because they had a relationship and a child together? I think because they had her. a relationship, he should have told her. I mean, what? Mm-hmm. why wouldn't you tell her? That, that, why wouldn't you tell me that? I'm thinking because if he if he knew it was harmless and he knew that it's a tradition that they've been doing how old was the baby for six years, then maybe he was just like, okay, you know, he didn't think anything about it. I think I think that she's overreacting. To me, it seems like it's coming from a place of, of insecurity. That's what it feels like for me. Well, I mean, I, I of course that's the first thing that everybody's going to jump to conclusions about insecurity. Oh, Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and that's not fair because even in, in you know, and my therapist Stephanie, you know, mm-hmm. that's not fair to because that's the first thing that people want to think. Now, what if the roles were reversed and she was, you know, her and her baby daddy was still exchanging gifts? How mm-hmm. do you want to feel comfortable with that? Like, okay, dude, yeah, I'm cool with my husband, my wife buying you a gift. Ain't no thing because I, you know, I sleep with her every day. I'm cool with no, you're not cool with that because the first thing you want to know is why are you doing that? You got a man right here. Why are you buying him a gift and me a gift? Do you think it has anything? Do you think maybe the type of gift, like let's say it's like a scarf and sweater or something like that, gloves, would it, would you still have an issue with it? Yes. I, okay. So when I was married, my um, we had to. My my husband's ex-wife was went on vacation, and mm-hmm. we watched the kids because she asked if he could watch the kids. So we watched the kids. So when she came back from vacation, she had bought my husband a T-shirt. Okay. So I'll say from the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. So I took offense to it because I'm like, well, why is she on vacation thinking about my husband? And brought him back a gift, and we both watched the kids. And you didn't, you didn't bring me back anything. Hmm. My my husband was uncomfortable with it because why are you buying me a gift? Well, why are you bringing me a? Why did you buy me a T-shirt? So she totally didn't get you anything. No. Okay. But that T-shirt got used as a death clause. Oh my God. But that to me, that's kind of different in this situation because they, before, I don't know how long they've been dating. She doesn't make it clear in the letter, but for six years, the, the, the child is six years old. I don't know how long ago, you know, like I said, they broke up. But this has been going on long before, you know, they were married, which is probably when you would say that he should have told her. So I don't, I, you know, I think that's different because I don't, I don't think that that automatically makes her privy to join this tradition that they've been doing. I think now, depending on what type gift it is, like if he's buying her lingerie and stuff like that, that's totally inappropriate. 
but like I said, if he's buying like you know a, a mug or just something, because like you said, it was an appreciation just to show you know there is no drama. You know they're co-parenting, they're raising a good child. Just appreciation to give. I think that line of communication and respect is good for the child, even. But right. you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. But I think she's I'm tripping. Saying, I think that. Mm-hmm. I think that she's. I, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think that she's tripping. I think okay. everybody's feelings are valid. So her feelings are valid because you left me out. We only been married a year. So in her mind, it's like you left me out of this. You didn't even give me an opportunity to say hey, I'm uncomfortable with it or I'm comfortable with it. You made the choice for me by hiding it from me. I mm-hmm. can be absolutely cool with it. True. You know, and then, True. oh, by the way, you're bringing it on me while we're in the store so I can't react. Mm-hmm. Well, you know she said she forbade him from doing it. So I'm I'm wondering now, did he, did he you know, agree with it and just say that he's not going to do it, which would upset me. As you know, if 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 I was his baby's mother, it would upset me that he's allowing that to happen. So I know that's a whole another argument with you, but I don't think she has the right to do that. Um, I just I just, I just well, feel I'm a gonna, particular way. Well, I'm going to disagree with you again because my thing of it is, is that if you come and tell me, hey, Susie has a problem with us exchanging gifts, as your friend, because we have this relationship, I'm going to respect that. Because I don't want to cause any problems in your house. So mm-hmm. don't worry about it. It's just a gift, and it's only once a year. I don't have a problem with it. But had he come correctly from the very beginning and been up front with it, hey, this is agreement what we have because we still have our little daughter, Betty, Betsy, mm-hmm. and we want to show her that union that we're cool, so we're going to exchange gifts. But the girl, the wife, the new wife may have said, that's a great idea. Why don't we all get together and exchange gifts so it can be one big blended family? Because you can't be okay. blended and then have that side thing. Right, right. Okay. Be blended and exclude the current wife. I see what you're saying. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see that. I see, you know, I just, I, that power thing, people, you know, coming into situations which are already established and just feel like things need to change. Because I didn't have that in, mm-hmm. uh, in in my relationship, and it was a conversation. But I did have the conversation before we were married to make sure everything was cool. I just think that, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel a particular way about that. But, okay, I get what you're saying. So we're going to agree to g- disagree on that. Our guest is on the sure. line, but we're going to take a quick commercial break um, and then come back and we're going to talk with Miss Bridget Bradley. If you listen to Let's Face It, we'll be right back. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. Or your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. And you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today, I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying... That's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. 
To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Our featured guest tonight, Ms. Bridget Bradley, is a family coach. She's a trusted advisor and the founder of the nonprofit Faith Hope Adoption, FHA, and the Adoption Discovery Program. She's here tonight to shed some light and education on the whole adoption process. So please help me welcome to the show, Ms. Bridget Bradley. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. No problem. Uh, we, we, we got a chance to chat earlier today, and I told you that uh, my spouse and I, we're both in the process of, um, we're actually doing, we did our first home study. We're going to do fostering first, hopefully a, like a foster to adoption program. Mm-hmm. But when um, my assistant showed me your information, I was like, how to adopt in zero dollars in less than nine months? Because <laughs> the whole thing that got us to go that route was they were like, it's going to cost like maybe $40,000 to adopt mm-hmm. directly. So we were like, Foster to adoption probably sounds a little bit better to us. So how did you get into this whole adoption? or How, how did that become your passion? Because reading up on you, it sounds like it's, it's a passion of yours. It is. So actually, um, you, I'll make a very long story really short because we don't have a whole lot okay. of time. But um, <laughs> my sister called me. I was going through a divorce about 20 years ago, and she called me and she said, you need to get off your butt and go volunteer. And I was like, I don't have time to volunteer. I'm in the middle of a divorce. And she's the kind of sister that um, not only did she tell you to do something, then she was going to bug you until you did it. And then she called and found a place for me to go volunteer and said, they have an orientation tomorrow night. You need to go there. So I went and it was a life changing um, orientation for me. It was uh, for the court appointed special advocate program, CASA. And basically it just completely opened my eyes to what was going on right around the corner from my house. Like I had no idea there was an orphanage, a group home, that was less than three miles from my house. I had passed it every day and didn't pay any attention to it. Um, but then I went to the orientation. They talked about all the kids that were available. And then I got into the training and I did the actual volunteer work. And I started doing research because it just didn't make any sense to me. All the things I had heard about adoption was that it took a really long time. It was really expensive. There was a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork. And I knew tons of people that wanted to adopt but I also knew now with this volunteer experience all these children that were available for adoption. And at the time, I was volunteering in Atlanta, and there was a house full of abandoned babies. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Like everybody mm-hmm. says you can't get a baby from, um, you know, a newborn baby from um, foster care, and there are no babies available. And, you know, I just you, you hear all the stories. You know all the different things that people talk about and just that was just kind of what I assumed I just didn't understand it like the general public didn't understand it and so um, I went back to school got another degree because I realized it was an information problem it was not um, it was it's a system problem but more so it was an information problem and they are when I say they the adoption professionals are the worst possible marketing and public relations professionals for their for their own organizations and what they do um even if you go in and you want what they have they'll almost try to talk you out of it exactly (laughs) what are you doing it's like i don't get it why would you do that that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever so in my research i found that there were 80 million people that considered adoption but less than one percent did it and i was like this has to change because from a business perspective if you've got supply and demand it should, mm-hmm. There shouldn't be a crisis. There shouldn't be a problem here. And we definitely right. had plenty of parents that wanted to adopt children, and we had 130,000 children just in the U.S. available for adoption. That was from newborn to age 18. And then we also had 160 million worldwide. So I was like, that, you can think about how many times that fills up a football stadium of just children. And I was thinking, I know that many people just at my church and where I work and everywhere else mm-hmm. that – are looking to adopt, and they don't just want to adopt one. They want to adopt more than one, so that just didn't make any sense to me. So I just got busy, and we just figured out we need to disseminate this information and get it to the people 
that want to adopt, I don't have to guilt anybody into adopting. Like they're they're already there. They're the masses are there. So we just need to make it a really scalable or nonprofit organization that could help people wherever they were, where you know when I say wherever, wherever they are in the process or wherever they are in the country. Where, you know if they're in Washington State or if they're in South Florida or wherever they are, they needed to be able to pick up their iPhone, their iPad, or their computer and learn how to get these children. You know. You're right. So that, right. that's basically the history. Yeah, that was kind of long for short. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. That was really good. That was really good. That was really good. This well, is Paula. How are you? And Hi. Nice. The question that... I'm, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> they... <laughs> sorry. The question that I wanted to ask was um, how how – let me get it right. How is it possible to solve the orphan crisis in the next 10 years? How can, I mean, there's so many kids that, that you're saying that need to be adopted. Mm-hmm. You know, the crisis is just growing. You know, how, how do you foresee that being resolved in the next 10 years? Well, you can do a simple math problem. If you look at 80 million people attempt adoption, but less than 1% do it, and then you look at the amount of children. So we only have, when I say only, that's it's a horrible number, but we only have 150,000 or 130,000, depending on how they're being counted, um, in the U.S. So, But there are 80 million people in the U.S. looking to adopt. So that solves that crisis in the U.S. But then those people, you know, we have people come from other countries to adopt our children. And mm-hmm. then we also have people in other countries adopting other children from their own country or from other countries. So people from Canada cross the, sta- the country, the, you know, the, the lines, the, um, the state lines, I want to say the state lines, um, but they cross borders to adopt our children. And then we cross their border to adopt their children, which absolutely makes no sense. Um, yeah. But they're under the same impression. I had people call, I had somebody call me from uh, Botswana. And they were like, can you come help us teach people in our country how to adopt our children? Because it's illegal to adopt outside of their country. And I said, you know, I don't know the Botswana process, but I get the same phone calls from Canada. And they're they're being told in Canada, oh, well, what you want, we don't have. So you probably need to go somewhere else. And I'm thinking, if you fill up a football stadium with that many children, if you can't find the child that you want, the age, the the race, the the color hair, the color eyes. I don't know what you can. I don't know what you need. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, so when you just do those numbers that. alone, that would solve the crisis not only in the U.S. but in several countries. Mm-hmm. If we just help the people already wanting question, to adopt, you know. Yes, my follow-up question to that is that do most couples or singles like to adopt newborns? Because I don't, I know it's difficult for, you know, people don't want the 15-year-olds or the 10-year-olds. And is that. Say you're wrong. Does that add to this? I don't know. Yeah, that's a a myth. That's a very um, Mm -hmm. pervasive myth that people think all the time. But we started doing, um, when we started doing our education programs, we did it in small groups. And we started in Atlanta. And we would fill up, people would give us, they would um, loan us their conference rooms for the weekend. We'd put pack as many people as we could in those conference rooms. And in those first groups, we started seeing things differently. And I thought, well, this is just maybe because this is, you know, just in Atlanta. Or maybe this is just because I gave it every excuse you could give it. And then we spread out and we had, um, we trained trainers and we were doing live small groups all over Georgia. Then we branched out across the country. We had 120 groups going at the same time um, live when we, but we, we constantly had a logistics problem. But we kept having, getting feedback from those people and people were coming in wanting everything. So if we had a group of 20, we would on average only have one couple that wanted an infant. So then we would say on the first day when they came in, tell us what the child, what is your dream child? And so they would say, zero, you know, we'd say zero to three, three to six, six to two. We tried to break it down, you know, as small, small groups. And they would say, oh, yeah, because somebody would come in and say, we want an infant. And I would say, okay, so 
um, you do realize that if you go to this other country, you may see that picture as an infant, but it may be a two-year-old when you get it. Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah, we're fine with that. In fact, we're fine up to three years old. Okay. And then I had people come in and they'd say, no, we want siblings, and we'd like all the way up to teenagers because we're adopting after having our own biological children and we loved this age, like this is our age. I had more people say, we would rather get them potty trained and sleeping through the night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. You know, I mean, like you you can make those choices when you're moving down this path because there are so many children available. We pull a report for them um, in the Adoption University classes in the Jumpstart program, and it's a, a link to a report that shows how many children of each age and each race were in the system are available for adoption like last year or year before last. And so they can get a realistic picture of, okay, if I want a child zero to three, there are 25,000 available just last year. So I would think that my chances are pretty big, you know. Um, but most people, the, the larger percentage wanted something else. So there's, I just learned that there's somebody for everybody. We had people coming in requesting I had a nurse come in to one of our first classes I'll never forget and she wanted a medically fragile child and I'm like okay are we talking terminal illness or what are we talking and she was like yes because I work with terminally ill children and I cannot imagine a child dying alone and I'm thinking okay I could never do that but she is Mm -hmm. this is what she wants you know Um, I had a couple that had two autistic children they wanted to adopt a child on the spectrum of autism or Asperger's because they said the same thing. And they were like, that's what we're equipped to raise. That's what we feel like we need to do. And I'm thinking, okay, so, you know, <laughs> don't don't tell me that somebody doesn't want this child because I right. can't convince right. me of that. I've seen it live and in action. It's happened over and over and over again. So I think that that is a, just a misperception that everybody wants a newborn. But, hey, if everybody wants a newborn, there are 25,000 below the age of three and they're not doing anything but waiting on you to come and get them and they're just growing older so wow. you know it's like come on you know, yeah <laughs> and you know what Bridget you, you said something earlier that really struck me you were like the because um, in my 20s I think I was probably maybe like 25 the first time I visited the the idea of adopting but like mm-hmm. you said the professionals I had talked to a few people unofficially um, who were in, um, they were social workers and dealt with foster care. And it just seemed to me at that time, at that age, that the whole process was hugely intimidating. So I didn't do anything. Um, now right. at 48, just getting married, my spouse is 20 years younger than me, so they have a lot more energy. You know, we've actually taken <laughs> steps to doing the, the foster process because, again, right. talking to people, they were like, it's very expensive, and we do want a newborn. They were like, there's not many newborns in the system. So you need to be open to up to like 12 years old, which I really, I mean, I want a child. I have my paternal <laughs> in, instincts are like kicking. So, you know, right. I would prefer to to have the, the infant and grow with the infant, but I just want right. a child. So, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you should never be talked into anything by an adoption professional. So when you come in, now you may come to a decision differently on your own. Mm-hmm. Once you go through our program, we have a lot of people that, Um, say, oh, I never thought about that, or, oh, I never thought about that. Um, So there's a lot of things that we kind of take you through the paces, but we feel like that an informed parent is a better parent. So no more, uh, I think the days should be gone of us talking you into a child that you're not ready for, and then you turning around and we having a a rehoming or a failed adoption. Um, That doesn't need to happen, Um, because Mm -hmm. I think, as I said before, there's somebody out there for everybody and nobody should be guilted into taking a child that's not their choice, you know? Right. Um, because some people are just equipped differently for different things. So let them let them adopt what they feel they want and then let them move through that process because they're building their family. It's not like you're going out and buying a car. Right. You know, I right. mean, if you get if you buy Something a car, you trade in a couple you, years. <laughs> yeah, you can trade it in if you decided you made a mistake. That's not the that's right. this is a child's life. This is not how that needs to go. Everybody right. needs to be completely upfront and, you know, prepared and knowledgeable about what they want, what they're getting. And I think the adoption professionals should respect those wishes of whoever that parent is. You know what I mean? Hmm. 
I, I do. I do. So with, with that being said, then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But with that being said, and everything they told me, and it's, you know, not just one person told me about the process mm-hmm. being so intimidating. How are you saying it could be done in less than nine months and for zero dollars? So when we go through and we educate potential parents on all the types of adoption that are available to them, and mm-hmm. then we let them kind of get an inside peek on every every type of adoption. So you're not just getting what an agency is selling. So when you walk into a door of an agency and you're going to an orientation, they either specialize in some types of adoption or not. So they sometimes they'll do international only and only from certain countries. Sometimes they do foster care. Sometimes they do foster care in private. Um, so they all kind of specialize in what they specialize in. But if you're walking mm-hmm. in there and you're signing up or paying a, an application fee for something and you don't even know that's what you want or you don't really know much about it, um, and most Americans admit they don't know much about adoption or how it works. They just kind of have a feeling, I'm, I may want to do this. So they really need to right. be educated on all the types of adoption. And then once they choose what's best for them, then if somebody's there to say, okay, the next step is, the next step is, the next step is. So mm-hmm. if you choose, if you say, I want to do an adoption in nine months or less and for zero dollars, then we say, okay, here are the choices for that. And then mm-hmm. here's the ways that you can do the paid adoption, and you can also get reimbursed for it. But some people don't want to sign up for that. And I'm like, that's fine. You need to only do what you're comfortable with. But then it's almost like buying a house. If you know that there's an inspection coming and you know that you have to pre-qualify for a mortgage and you know that you know all the different things about such a big decision, if you know them up front, you're not going to walk out and buy the first house that you see and then you're not going to be really shocked when the inspection comes back and, it, and it's not the house you wanted. You know what I mean? Right. If somebody's right, right. there ahead of time saying, okay, here's how it goes. Here's some of your options. Here's all of your options. We think you should choose what's best for you. So then once they choose it, they handhold them through the process of that particular process because process. every kind of adoption is different. So you can easily do nine months or less, which is how long it takes, by the way, to actually <laughs> have a biological child. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do, easily do nine months or less, and you can easily do zero dollars, but you need an upfront picture of what that looks like for you. So that's what we take people through the paces, and we say give us one hour a day for 30 days because we found out, too, in those weekend workshops, we were just kind of like, fire hydrant in the face it was like way too much information it was very overwhelming so we've broken it down to an hour a day for 30 days and I have people come to me and say I don't know if I have an hour a day I'm like well you might want to rethink this whole adoption thing because a kid's going to take a whole lot more than an hour (laughs) and they're like well by the time we get home and we feed the dogs from work and then we have dinner it's time for bed I'm like okay then call me back when you're ready (laughs) right exactly because the same thing a child is going to occupy a lot of time yeah, a lot yeah, so one hour a day, they're going to learn all of their options. They're going to be able to choose it. They can get coaching from us. They can call us or email us and say, hey, you know, I, I saw this. Is this what this means? Um, I had a lady just two days ago call me, and she had read the whole um, thing about special needs, and she didn't understand. She said, what I'm reading doesn't make any sense. It, it says that a special needs child could mean that it's just a child that has a sibling. And she said, is that true? And I said, yes. And she said, so I should be going in and asking for a special needs child? And I said, if that's what you want. And she said, well, yeah, I want a sibling group. So I need to be asking for special needs. Mm. And then she said, do I need to look in a state that I live in or can I look in other states? And do I, And I said, well, the special needs definition changes from state to state. But there's a link on our site in that Adoption University program, and you can click on the state and you can look at what they consider special needs, and you can find that sibling group in any state across the U.S. She was like, that's a game changer. And I was like, talk about cutting your adoption time in half. <laughs> you just cut it in half. In half. <laughs> you're not, you know, you're not just looking in your back door. You're not just looking in your county. You're looking across your entire state. And then when you find mm-hmm. out you're eligible for a child anywhere in the country, you just opened up a whole big ball game of, you know, that's a lot of children that you can look at. And I said, you better be prepared to choose because they're going to give you lots of files. And so you're not just going to be able to 
you know, say, well, here's the one child that we found and that has a sibling. <laughs> mm. I'm like, a ton of them. And she was like, oh, my goodness, I never thought about that. And I'm like, well, that's what we're here for is to teach you the yeah. things that you never thought about, you know. But yeah. definitely, I mean, she'll come back to me. She will, I, if if that's what she wants, she will definitely adopt in less than nine months, and it will not cost her a dime. Ooh, so that sounds good. Wow. Yeah. That, <laughs> I'm signing up already. Yeah. Yes. I can. Well, if you've already started your home study, you're already halfway there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. His his wheels are turning. I can feel them all the way over here. Like, <laughs> over I can feel it. I can feel it. I know his his mind is going like 50 miles a minute. I know my brother so well. <laughs> But that lets me segue into this question. What solutions to reform ethics and discrimination in adoption? What are oh, some of the Lord, solutions? It's, it's going to be a big, long journey. But I feel like we empower the people that go through the process. And once they see the discrimination that happens and the ethical issues that we have out there in the in adoption world and the adoption industry, that they are there because there are those activist kind of people that come back to me and say, this was ridiculous. I could not believe that this is what we encountered. I mean, I've had um, people come back to me and say, you know, we called this agency and they said that we could get a child of a certain race at a discount. And mm. I said, mm. made you mad, didn't it? And she wow. was like, I'm furious. And I said, yeah. yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. And she said, well, how can that be so? How can they do that? And I said, there's something on every list. You know how there's a list of um, when you sign a like when you ap- sign, fill out an application or whatever for a job and it says we do not discriminate on the basis of um, right. race, religion, sexual orientation, mm-hmm. like it has a long list. Mm-hmm. I can I can show you a par- a potential parent that has called an agency and have been discriminated on every single one of them. <laughs> really? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, why have why are people not standing up and just going nuts about this but the more people that are getting into the process because they don't even get that far back in the day you would get you'd make that phone call let's just say for example if you back in the day you wanted to adopt a child from china because your neighbor adopted a child from china and there's nothing wrong with adopting from china so i'm not going down that road that's not what i'm saying but china had a bmi um requirement which meant you had to be a certain height and weight so they did not want to adopt to people that were obese. So I had somebody call a, an agency, and she, it was in her town, and she was like, I think we want to adopt from China. We want to do this. And I said, well, here's some things you need to know. Um, and she was like, you know, I think she almost didn't believe me. She picked up the phone and called the agency, and the lady said to her, are you or your husband fat? And she's like, why what? would you ask me that? And she what? said, because there's a BMI requirement for this particular country that you want to adopt from, and we won't even take your application if you're over a certain height. She was so mad. She called me back, and she was like, I cannot believe that they get away with that. And she's like, she didn't know who I was. She could have been telling you know, somebody that could have sued them. And I was like, well, why don't you? <laughs> uh, okay, I was, like, was going to ask you, is that illegal? Is that, it seems like so she could have sued. It's illegal. No, I don't right. know. I don't know if it's illegal or not. I don't think it's illegal because it's another country discriminating. But to me, we're perpetuating that discrimination when we say okay. True. You know. That's true. I mean, when we say that it's okay to charge different charges for different races of children, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. When we're saying that we will not adopt to you because you're not the same religion our agency is, that's not okay. I mean, it's not okay for somebody that's hiring someone. Why would it be okay right. for someone that's becoming the parent of someone? But agencies get away with, they can make whatever rules they want. They can say you're too old, you're too young, you're too one religion or not enough another religion. Exactly. They exactly. can say you're divorced and they don't want you to be divorced. They can say you're single and they don't want you to be single. They can say everything. I mean, they can make their own rules, and they've gotten away with it for since the beginning of time. Nobody's ever called them out on it. And that's wow. the reason for all those volumes of paperwork with all those questions that are repeated in different languages. I mean, different. Oh, it's just yeah. so Well, I think, here's what's okay. worse. I think that that's part of the responsibility of the reason why we have 80 million people attempting adoption, but less than 1% doing it. Because if I pick up the phone and I call an agency and I get that response, I'm thinking I'm not able to adopt from anywhere. So right. I figure we're going to start traveling, and we'll just really enjoy the nieces and nephews. Yeah, and and that's what I did right. from twenty five up until now. Exactly, right? that's exactly yeah. what I did. 
So if you think that you've been rejected by one and one is what they all think and what they all do, mm-hmm. then why would you think any differently unless you had somebody exactly. in your corner educating you on, no, it's just this agency that will not adopt to you. But there are 4,000 agencies, so hang up the phone and go to somebody else. But we always right. encourage people, do not give them a dime on an application fee until they, you find out whether they will even – qualify to adopt to you like whether that you know what i mean like and i Mm -hmm. said you're interviewing them they are not interviewing you right now because you can hang up the phone and go somewhere else but people are scared to death they feel like they're being held hostage like if i say that they're not going to give me a child and right yeah 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 no 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 no. this is this is too important for you to go into feeling like you got to hide stuff Mm -hmm. that's crazy I have a question. So are mm-hmm. adoption agencies, are they for-profit or non-profit? They're both. Both. So they can okay. set up a non- non-profit and they can set up a for-profit. And they can uh. go out of business like a non-profit and they can go out of business like a for-profit. So the, some of the big ones shut down, took people's money. I had a lady um, email me yesterday, and we've got a conference call set up for tomorrow with her and her husband. They've had two agencies that have taken their adoption application and their funds and no children, and they closed the doors and just said, sorry, we're not doing business anymore. And no, we never did give you a child, but, you know, that's just, we're we're out of business. So, mm. so and yeah, that's, continue that's with the, the kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So No wonder with, 80 million people are walking away from the table. And one percent wow. only adopt, yeah, because it, yeah, exactly. So I, I've heard, you know, about the underground adoptions. I've heard now, especially with the, um, like, with the LGBT community. So many mm-hmm. of those kids being in the system now. Um, saw a special in twenty twenty, and they were talking about, um, is it easier now for um, alternative families to adopt, or is that still a part of that discrimination factor? It's the same thing. I mean, there are there are agencies that will not. They'll ask you if you're single. That was that used to be the way they tried to get around it without flat out uh, asking them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would say, "We don't adopt to singles." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, gotcha. "Really?" And I and I actually just um, I just finished a book and I just put that in there in a chapter. I said, "You know, they're running scared from." The fact that they may possibly adopt to someone that may be gay and that may be against right. their rules, and so they just say we don't adopt to singles. And I wanted to say, but now that you, that marriage is legal, now if they start reversing that, that's going to mess them up mm-hmm. completely. So they're they're really confused now. They're trying to figure out how do we discriminate without knowing without just letting right. people know we're discriminating. Um, but yeah, so it it opened up a lot. You know, when when the gay marriage came about and they you know said it was legal in certain states. Then adoption became much easier for a lot of people. You know, they would just say, "Okay, we we can't use that, so there's no way that we know." So they wouldn't find out until they got into the home study. Um, but then they could still say no. They could still say no. But word got out which agencies would adopt and which agencies would not adopt. Now, a state mm-hmm. agency for foster children, um, the most of the states that I know about will not discriminate, and they will. But they have been slapped on the wrist for letting a gay couple um, be foster parents and then not let them be adoptive parents. So they would say, it's okay for you to foster these children, but if we had to choose between a straight couple and a gay couple to adopt them, we're going to hold off on that and see if we can find them a better home, which mm. really, I mean, that when that when you're moving a child from what they all, all they've ever known and that stability, to me, you're you're doing just the same abuse and neglect that, you know, it's like let's think this through before we move this child again, you know. Exactly. So exactly. Not definitely not moving in the best interest of children in so many situations, but um, I think I'm like I, I hope I hope that we're understanding more. In my CASA training, they told us, you know, they said you really need to broaden your perspective because if a like if two let's just say two lesbian. Um, if there's a lesbian couple that wants to adopt a little girl that has been um, abused by her father, so mm-hmm. that may be the best situation for her because anybody that they put her in a household with a male would be a problem, you know. Um, right. If she if she had been raised with repeated abuse, and so they would kind of coach us through 
let's think about all the different options to make a safe place for this child. What what is safe in her mind? What is safe mm. in the system's mind? You know what I mean? Um, and so we would make recommendations to the judge based on all the circumstances. But people just don't really think through that. They don't really think through if I'm a gay teen, I may be better suited with a gay family because mm-hmm. then I'm not going to have to go through the whole, you know. Um, right. There's just there's just so much that we we can't we can't just make it a snap quick fix for these children. But as I said in the beginning of this conversation, there is somebody for everybody. Mm-hmm. We just right. have to let that happen. We have to get out of the way, educate those that are wanting these children and these children that are wanting a home. We need to get out of the way and let it happen sooner rather than later because there's no need for children to languish in the system, not with that many people trying to adopt them. That's ridiculous. Exactly. And because it's so difficult and it's so expensive and all the barriers, I want to know about, and I've heard just like, well, just mention about the underground adoption. Is that still, mm-hmm. is that still prevalent? Are they still doing that? You it know, depends like on what you mean by underground. So there, every, <laughs> Everybody has a different yeah. interpretation of underground. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, if that is private adoption being being done by somebody talking to somebody, but in but facilitating an adoption by a pastor or an OBGYN or somebody saying, hey, so there's a, there's a child here, there's family here, I'm going to match them up, that's illegal in some states. So if they're going around that, that may be what they're calling underground adoption. Otherwise, um, it depends. I mean, that that's a very that's a very broad underground is a very broad term. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yes, anybody can adopt from anywhere, and we can help them do that. They just need to know where to go for what they want. Right. Okay. But they don't have to go okay. underground. They don't have to do anything illegal because there's plenty of legal options out there. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does, it does. make sense. It, okay. it absolutely does sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if, if you go to an agency and they want to adopt to you, just hang up the phone and call us. <laughs> we'll find somebody exactly. to Exactly. <laughs> Unless you have committed a crime against a child, then don't call me. <laughs> right. right. No, right. we'll right. not call you. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So, Bridget, if people who want to get in contact with you, I've already spoken to my spouse. We're definitely going to do the 30-day jumpstart program with you. Um, what are, how can people get in contact with you? So the easiest way is to do just what you're doing. Go online, join the 30 day jumpstart program and then get, but you need to make sure you've got an hour a day from the time you click that button, because we'll start sending you an email saying today, your homework is going to be blah, 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 blah. And you need to be able to sit down and give yourself some time and attention to learn about what you need to learn. Um, but then all along the way, you'll have ways to email us, contact us. We can do group coaching. We can do um, one-on-one coaching, whatever you need. We'll be there to answer your questions as you go through that learning. But it's almost like um, they won't let you take a second-level class and a first-level class when you go to college. It's the same thing. So we need you to kind of get a basic knowledge of information. But we're there for you from the very beginning. So the fastest, easiest way Go on, get on the 30-day jump start. You'll join lots of other people that are adopting. They'll, you'll find people that are just like you. And um, then you can move through this. In 30 days, you will know more than most adoption professionals will when you come out the other side. And you can already be halfway through your process in your adoption if you want to be. Awesome. I'm excited. Sound I'm good? excited. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, so adoptiondiscovery.org is where you I'm get writing, that 30-day jump start program. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Bridget, for coming on the show. You really gave a lot of information. I hope people really grasp it and will will call you because it's not as intimidating. I feel I feel light, lighter already because I was <laughs> I was like Ugh. it just seemed like so much. I was like how 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 hard is it to get a child? And all I keep hearing is all this negative stuff. But I'm glad that you yeah. came on and debuffed a lot of the, the myths that we've been hearing. Well, so thank you for the opportunity, that. and I, ha- I am ready to help celebrate your adoption with you and anyone else that's listening and is ready to adopt. I'm I'm ready for them. Thank you so much. Um, we appreciate it, and we, we'd love to have you back on the show again sometime. Thank you. Anytime. 
Thanks. All right. Happy holidays to you, dude. Thanks. You too. Merry Christmas. Happy holiday. Happy New Year and everything else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, all right. Have a good night. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was good information. Good information. Lots good information. Of great information. Lots mm-hmm. of it. Um, so next week, you know, the next week is the last show. It seems like it was forever. We did December, you know, just uh just to end the season that ended and that we had took a break from in I think it was May. Um so next week we have Mr. Glenn Ackerman coming on the show and he's gonna set us up for twenty twenty to help us stop those self sabotaging behaviors and mindset that, you know, held us back perhaps in 2019 to get us ready to accomplish those goals that we have. Um, and if you're like myself, those goals that are on those sheets, those New Year's resolution sheets from last year that we have not done. So he's going to talk to us about how to stop those self-sabotaging um, behaviors and mindsets and energies that we encounter. Um, and hopefully, Paula, you're going to be here, right? Yes, I'm going to be right here, honey. All right, all right. So I appreciate that. Um, Christmas is in two days. I hope everyone has a very happy Christmas. The show again next week is on a Monday because it's New Year's Eve, and I know everybody is going to be out, you know, doing whatever on this last New Year's Eve in this decade. So um, I want everyone to have a happy Merry Christmas. And Paula, I appreciate you, and I'll see you at Christmas because you're coming to the house for Christmas dinner, right? Yes. Yeah, Christmas dinner. I'm all excited about it. Exactly, exactly. So everybody, Merry Christmas, and until next week, be blessed. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it, 